Before we start, guys, just a real quick announcement. Uh, in this uh, episode, we say that this was recommended to us by Andrea. She actually recommended Sweet Agony, not Never Sweeter. Uh, she wanted us to know that she would never recommend <laughs> Never Sweeter for a podcast for someone who had not read anything before because it is 400 level. So, Andrea, our sincerest apologies. Yes. And enjoy the show. everybody welcome to this week's learning the tropes i'm aaron i'm clayton and i'm your romance novel veteran and i'm the virgin and we're your hosts oh yes we are all right (laughs) clayton just rolled his eyes i think this is gonna be a really good episode i didn't roll my eyes (laughs) there's no proof (laughs) this week we read never sweeter by charlotte stein dark obsession number two now is this a continuation i don't know no, it's probably just a series. It's just another dark obsession. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes they just, they're not necessarily like chronological. Should we judge a cover? Yes. I loved it. I hate this cover. I loves it. Okay. He is smelling his armpit. That's what it looks like on this cover. He looks like he's smelling <laughs> his armpit. He is grotesquely muscular. Mm-hmm. He looks like Stallone. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen... Sylvester Stallone with his shirt off now with all that he looks like just a slab of of beef. No, this is a very sexy cover. I, well, that's your opinion. (laughs) I do not share that opinion. Also, I think I'm, this reminds me of, and I think I've mentioned this briefly on the show before and never went into detail about how I got paid to smell things once. As a freelance gig, I got 50 bucks to smell things. No, let's get, let's really dig down okay. into this. So the, what I got paid for was I had a buddy who did casting for commercials. They would give us several things to smell and we would say whether they smelled really bad, what smelled the worst. And it was so they could pick out of those items what they wanted to use for the actual commercial. Okay. And so I smelled a toilet brush after it had been in a filthy toilet. Oh. I smelled... A, a fish, like a uh, a raw fish that had just been sitting out, and I smelled a bodybuilder who had not showered the night before but had worked out, and he by far smelled the worst really? of everything, and oh. I felt really bad, but we had to smell his armpit while he was standing there because there's no other way to do it, and they asked, what was the worst thing you smelled, and I pointed at the guy and I was like, I'm so sorry. And he was like, just shrugged. He's like, I'm also like here to smell bad. Exactly. I'm here to smell bad. I did my job. If you would have said I smell good, then I'm probably would get fired. But this cover reminds me too much of smelling that young man's armpit. Out now from Kensington, owner of a broken heart, the Richardson sisters series by Sharice Hodges. Sharice Hodges brings her signature sexy style to a charming new series about sisters who own a historic B&B in Charleston. For the four very different Richardson sisters, continuing their family's renowned bed and breakfast legacy is already a formidable job, but unexpected desire will challenge them in ways they've never imagined. Sports writer Nina Richardson had the perfect life away from her family's famous shadow, but a social media blow up and rejection by her boyfriend brought her back to their peaceful Charleston, South Carolina B&B to figure out what went wrong. So there's no way she's going to trust the crazy hot sparks flying between her and handsome new employee Clinton Jefferson. 
It's just reckless. Rip his clothes off one night and forget it. Lust, right? It can't be just that. No, there has to be more. My family, I have family in Charleston. You do? I wonder if this uh, is a real B&B. It's probably not. No, we don't even know the name of the B&B. I am going to Charleston next week, next month. So I'm very excited. Wow. Yeah. That's exciting. Say hi to my parents. I will. I've yeah. never met them, but I'll just say hi to um, any white person in their 50s. <laughs> <laughs> 60s. They'll be so flattered that you said 50s. <laughs> <laughs> hi clayton's mom maybe probably i'll just go go gumbert <laughs> yeah oh god they'll be like that'll make the papers <laughs> we'll make the papers um i think i am really excited for this book i love sisters i love a family drama i love a and I love who doesn't love a and b it seems classier than a airbnb mm-hmm. you know i mean this is historical i mean they've this they have a long history of of, of, of B&B ownership in this family, which I think is interesting. It's great. So go check out Owner of a Broken Heart by Sharice Hodges. It's out now. You don't have to wait for it. Pick it up now. And for more great books, go to kensingtonbooks.com. That's kensingtonbooks.com. What is this book about? And then we can dig down into it. This book is about an attempted murderer who stalks a woman to her college Starts chasing a degree that will not get you hired anywhere in order to, I don't know, prove that he truly loves her and he's loved her forever. Is that a good? Yeah, that's yeah. a great synopsis. That's pretty much it, right? This book, I think, starts very strong. <laughs> it starts strong in a way that is crazy. Yeah. And then I feel like it peters off so dramatically until it peters off a cliff. No yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's say how it starts. It's yeah. It starts with our heroine Letty. Letty running away from three bullies, high school bullies in a truck. She decides to stand up to them, doesn't realize she's in front of a cliff and gets hit by that car. And falls off that cliff. Yeah, and then is in rehab for two years. Yes. And none of the people in that car get any substantial sort of punishment because they're all wrestlers. Yeah. And so then she's off in college, thinks she's safe, has a huge scar on her head, and one of her tormentors, Tate Sullivan, shows up at school. And she, for all the right reasons freaks out this this i have to say as you can tell i dislike this book everybody has the right to their fantasy right and the author reading in the back of this book where one of the last things that the author wrote was this book is for anybody who's been through it something to that degree she may have and i don't know anything about this author may have been bullied in the past and this might be her way of working through it and getting uh, some some closure or maybe having a fantasy that involves these bad things that happened and turning it into a, a, a happy ending fairy tale. That could very well be what this is and good for her, but this is not my fantasy in any level. I, If I didn't have a sacred pact with our listeners, which I do, once a book is picked and we agree to read it, 
I will read it to completion because I do that for you, because I love my listeners, our listeners. But if I was just a regular romance reader, as soon as I read the first chapter, I would have thrown this across the room and be done with it. You're done. I'm done. Right. You said you liked this book to begin with or that it started strong. So what were your feelings on this book? I think that Charlotte Stein is a very strong writer when it comes to like inner thoughts and atmosphere and like sex. I think she writes really well. I think she falls apart when it comes to plot. And I get that this was like an erotic romance and they are not necessarily super heavy on plot, but I feel like I needed more because I think when this book started, I thought the obviously the first or the prologue where she is almost murdered is terrifying. And, but what I assumed from that and why I liked it at the beginning was that there would be an counterweight of that at the end that that comes around or something equally good happens or something that creates a balance and it doesn't never comes back. And then him showing up at school, her being scared, but her having a friend who really helps her through it and sort of recognizes her as somebody who has been through some shit. Lydia, Lydia, who's Lydia's great. Cool. She's great. She's yeah. a great friend to have. It's your like dream person that you would meet in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then sort of the way that Tate is acting at the beginning where he's like very cautious with her and really respecting her boundaries and completely changed. I expected him to have gone through a bigger change. And we also never get that from him. We never get him being like, I'm sorry that you were almost murdered. He says like, oh, I was in the car too. I didn't expect him to do that. And like, I get you're also in the car. And if somebody is like, starts driving erratically like there's not a ton you can do but it's like up until that moment like they made their her life a living hell like she talks about him like taking books out of her hands and like throwing them in a fountain and shit like he threw he threw her books into uh a urinal i think and burnt them yeah and it's like even if this is psychotic behavior yeah he's a psychotic person yes and I never, I never believed and I never understood his redemption. And that also he was like, oh, the whole time I was just doing that because I liked you so much and you rejected me. That's psychopathy. That is psychotic that somebody would reject you for a date. And it sounds like she didn't even really think that he was asking her out on a date. And then you, so you then would torture a person almost to murdering them for four years and then come back two years later and be like, oh, no, you don't understand. I liked you the whole time. Like, no, that's fucked up. And I get also that romance, a lot of times it's like fantasy and wish fulfillment. And you don't necessarily want the things that you read about to be things you experience in real life. Like, that's healthy. That's fine. That makes sense to me. But it's like really weird and upsetting that the reason this book is basically saying like, oh, maybe the reason people are torturing you is because they secretly like you. I hate that. So much. Yes, that is a bad message. It's a very bad message. And I get also that this is a little bit of an erotic romance. You want to get them to be fucking as soon as possible. But it's like if he had ended up in Breckenridge Inner College for a different reason and didn't want to go and then slowly saw her humanity and was able to like change. But it seems like he we find out he literally went to the school because she was there. And when he, he, so they get put together in their 
sex in cinema class or whatever. And we find out he, he says to her, they get put together. And Lydia's like, if you don't think that you should be with him, go to the professor and say, hey, this guy almost killed me. I can't be his partner. But she's like, no, no, it was just whatever. I'll deal with it. But Tate had gone to him and said, put me with her. Which, if I'm a professor, I would ask, why? Right. What is your reasoning? Why should I put you, giant jughead... Wrestler dude. Wrestler dude with this... Like, meek woman. Who seems afraid and ran out of my class several times. Right. Why would I do that? Unless it was just a a shitty college and the guy was like, okay, whatever, makes my job easier. Which it wouldn't make it easier because then he would have to move stuff around. He was probably doing it by alphabetical. Or also, it's college. Like, I don't remember, like, being assigned groups in college. Unless it was just, like, a count-off thing. Yeah. Like, I don't remember walking in being like, you four together and you four together. I think yeah. it was like, you're sitting in the general same vicinity, so you'll be a group, you're a group, you're a group. It, it, that can, like, the, the stalkerish and, like, abusive behavior never ends in this book. No, because she's just starting to trust him, and he's swimming in the pool. She gets close. He's like, hey, you can just jump in, and then pulls her in. That is, like... That is the thing is he's he is toying with her. Right. Because he if he really felt bad, number one, if he really felt bad, he would just stay away. Just stay completely away from her. Write her a letter and say, like, I've had a come to Jesus moment. I'm very sorry. What I did was awful. I would love to be able to speak with you in person. I understand if you're not capable of doing that. And either way, like, I wish you the best. And I apologize from the bottom of my heart. Yeah, we can have an inner, what is that? Uh, Sorry, I can't speak intermediary yeah involved if you want whatever like if you if he really felt sorry and didn't want to still intimidate her because at first he's intimidating her with his size back in high school but now he's intimidating her with his sexuality yeah and his sexual prowess which is i mean she seems to be okay with it like both of these characters he is a moron like, Tate is not smart, and she is very close behind him in the not smart category. Because yeah, the only person here that has any sense in this college is Lydia, and, and she is constantly ignored. Yes, and the thing is, she is a friend, and a friend at an age where you're not going to step into somebody's business and try to really change their mind because you know that you're just going to get rejected. And also, she has her own shit going on, I'm sure. So there was really nobody but letty her mind to make her feel like this is an okay thing and i would never have been involved with him at all i would have went to the university i would have said this guy did this and i don't feel safe now this came out in 2016 i think a university at this day and age would have takes taken steps to make sure that he was not in her classes and made it so that she would be comfortable and he would still be able to get an education. You hope, yeah. You can't just kick the guy out because he didn't get arrested for anything. It was whatever. He was a minor when it happened. Um, but, you know, I still think that this romance should have never even happened. No. I do think there are ways for this romance to have happened. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think the way that this is set up, it is, like, so insanely problematic that I don't, this wasn't the way to do it. 
I think that there are ways to do it where it could have been him being a little bit more contrite. I mean, also him pulling her into the pool. Like I've been married to Pat for like two years. I've been with him for a decade. Oh, you divorce him. I would divorce him <laughs> as I was going down. Like you'd be admit you wouldn't try to stop yourself. You would be taking your ring off and throwing it. Yeah. Or you'd be like, you no, know, I you would gotta resell. You gotta resell that. You gotta resell like, You're right, you're right. I <laughs> You'd be like, I'm reselling this, this splash. I'm going to the pawn shop. <laughs> this is I would yeah. Because it's also like that's just a fucked up thing to do to anybody. But also to pull somebody into a pool with like their sh- it's one thing if you're like at a pool party, people are in bathing suits already. It's like whatever, you're gonna get in the pool eventually. I just pushed you in. Like I don't love it, but it's it's fine. With this, it's like you're pulling somebody into the pool wearing jeans, a sweater, shoes into the deep end. And you don't know if this person can swim. Yes. That is a manslaughter. Yes. That's like, attempted manslaughter. That's attempted manslaughter for the second time to the same person. I know. It's crazy. And then he's like, oh, I, for- I forgot that we weren't always friendly. <laughs> and it's like, you wouldn't do that to your friend. He's a maniac. This, this Tate is-, is a maniac. Yeah. This is crazy. This yeah. is crazy. I I mean, this is also, for some reason, a very beloved book. So I feel like we're going to have people, like, letting us know we're wrong, which is, like, fine. I do want to say, like, the sex itself is great. If you forget who these people are to each other and you were just reading the sex scenes, excellent work. Mm-hmm. Very well done. Okay. How do I say this? This podcast is not about judging people's fantasies. If this is your fantasy, that is great. I want you to get your jollies off. I want you to explore your sexuality however you see fit, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. That's what we're all about here. For me, this is a podcast also about our feelings and our opinions and where our fantasies cross over with the books that we read. And this truly has nothing in it that I would fantasize about. The thing about this that is not a fantasy for me is that To me, Tate is a bully. He uses his physicality, like I said, now his sexuality to terrorize somebody who he has bullied before. And also, he is extremely stupid. And I can love a mean character in a book, but I cannot love a stupid character. The the way that she finds out that he was not sending emails to somebody else because she finds on his email that he sent several emails to douchebag at Gmail or something like that, big douchebag I think it was, is that that was his email address, and he did not know how to back up photos and video, so he was sending himself emails. He also had the same password for everything, and that's how they... Now, I understand you can love somebody if they're not necessarily the most intelligent person, but he was actively dumb. He's an actively emotionally stupid person and a mentally stupid person. And so I don't have fantasies about big, dumb galoots. Now, some women might. Some women might be like, he had a big, huge cock. He had a Pringles can, as he said. Big, huge dick. Very dumb. Very big. Big ears. They called him Jughead. That could be somebody's fantasy. But coming from the male point of view... That is not a fantasy because there's nothing there for me to be excited about. He's not cool. He's not clever. He's just stupid. And, and that's not a fantasy for me personally. Now, what is your thoughts on big dumb galoots? 
are, are those people that you would say in a fantasy, is there a fantasy involving that in your mind? Because obviously you're very, with a very intelligent man. You're married to a very intelligent man. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, the stupid. I think the stupidity matched with cruelness is where I can't handle it. I think if he was very kind and just not that bright. We've had other dumb-dumb heroes that I have not actively hated. Mm -hmm. Like, clueless heroes. But I think um, that he was so cruel to her and continue to manipulate her that never really ended and the only way that she found out by happenstance he was never going to come be truthful to her and then he put sort of his feelings his need for redemption over her like comfort is upsetting even when they first hung out in the library and he was like oh here's how you could take me down if I come after you which is like framed as a very nice thing, but it does feel like that is him further manipulating her to be like, see, I'm a good guy now. I'm a good guy. And granted, he doesn't do anything further in the book to humiliate her. It's not like a long con. It's just that he kind of wants to date her. I don't like that. I think that they would be a very, have a very troubled relationship and like, I don't want them together. I want her with somebody else. Yes. I'm happy that the relationship with him, she was able to heal a few things and he at least treated her very well in bed where she understood like to want a little bit more from a sexual partner. I think that's great. And if that's something that he taught her, then like that is a positive, but in general it is really just, he's destructive and manipulative and, um, uncompassionate and unable to view things from her side i don't yeah it's upsetting also no respect for libraries neither of them have any respect <laughs> they're that was wrestling sexy. they're hor- no the no, the first time when he's teaching her how to wrestle is in the library that is that is just out of line it's horseplay and and if i'm studying in that library i don't want two people wrestling okay then the next time He's eating her fucking pussy in in the library, which is hot, but also disrespectful. Mm. Let's, let's, there's some sanctity to a library. <laughs> Come on, guys. Let's take it outside. Go in the alley or something. Go in the alley. You know what I mean? I think it's sexy. I get it if you are in the mind of you're one of the other patrons. That can be a little bit strange. But let's just pretend this is like far, far enough away no one can hear. It's the thought of it. Yeah. It's the thought of it. Yeah. This is a place where kids can go. No, this is a can't... university library. There's okay. no kids at but a university libraries library. libraries in, in, in general, right? Yeah. Okay. So, but also maybe, you know, an 18-year-old that doesn't want to see someone's pussy getting eaten. That, that's a possibility <laughs> that that exists in college. That's, that, let this be the fantasy. I, I, I get it. Listen, I'm just saying that is a great fantasy for somebody, not a fantasy for me. Wait, this is an inappropriate question, but have you ever had sex in public? Yes. <laughs> But not in a library. Where did you have sex? Uh, beach. A beach. So children are at a university library. Children aren't at the beach. It was a private beach. <laughs> no, it was like it was like uh, I've had sex on several beaches. Actually, I can't remember all of them, but th- most of them are open to the public. Sure, but it was very late at night, and no one was around. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a sandbox. It was a beach, <laughs> and several other places. Lots of towels down. I hope. Yes, of course. Okay, good. Yeah. Very, listen, I'm very aware of sand and what it can do to, to things. So I'm not like Tate who's just like, oh, blah, blah, blah. 
<laughs> I don't know, sand is bad for a vagina? I don't know. <laughs> you could just blow into his ear. It sounds like a jug. Him and Chad should have had a fucking band where Chad just blows in his ear and plays a washboard. What the fuck was it when they were in the barn and they were having sex and then Chad goes up into the hayloft, takes a flash picture. <laughs> Dude, this flash and then photography. runs away and she's like understandably like, what the fuck? And then... That also never pays off. Well, it's okay because he physically assaults Chad. So then Ugh. everything's cool. But it's like, why did Chad... And then Chad is like supposed to be just a nice guy. But like, why Why did Chad take a picture? Why was that something we knew about? Then he hits Chad in the face. Like, I'm not for violence, obviously. But also, like, if, if Pat and I were having sex <laughs> and one of you took a picture with a flash picture of it i would expect pat to like yes punch you in the face punches because that's an insane thing for you to do yeah that is bizarre and i get also that i guess they're in college and everybody's a little bit more immature but i just i don't understand why it's a promotional photo it's for the podcast (laughs) let's see what pat thinks about it and then he'd be like well how many more listeners would that get If he gets his beak wet. No, but I know what you mean. It is. Yeah. That's the insanity of that, right? When you put it in that, like, I mean, configuration. I'm, I'm saying I understand why he hit Chad. Oh, yes. That makes sense to me. But why would Chad even do that? Why would he do that? And then it's also just, like, from a storytelling point of view, why did you – was that, like, a, just, a like, a red herring that – that she was going to then think yeah. that this was like a long con thing. It was the author fucking with Letty. Yeah. <laughs> like the author was like, Letty's ha- has it too good. Let's throw some shit. And I understand because it's a book and it needs to have uh, conflict. conflict. But this was just such a fucking bizarre thing. It's it, this poor Letty. And, and I, you know, earlier I said she was not very smart. I, I'm going to take that back because I don't know if Letty's smarter at all because she is so consumed with an assault that has stolen part of her life. And even ver- before the assault. She was bullied. So it's very hard for me to be like, to even know much about Letty other than what has happened to her externally. I'm sure she's perfectly intelligent. She can't be as dumb as Tate. But the way she's acting with him and just forgetting common sense in going to his dorm room with him and when he starts talking coarsely about sex during like watching dirty dancing i would have left like and i know she has the right to stay and do whatever she wants right i'm not saying it's your fault for staying that's not what i'm saying at all what i'm saying is that like she has a history with this guy there should be a level of never getting to the point of giving him a chance to assault her or betray her again Maybe I'm an unforgiving person, but I think that this is just a, there was there's just nothing that would make me take back Tate or want to be with Tate after what he did. I don't know. I, maybe I'm unforgiving. Here's my thing on that. I am much more forgiving of Letty for a lot of reasons, but also I get it from her point of view where when you're bullied that severely for four years, th- your bullies become an obsession to you because for your safety, for your mental health, you need to kind of know where they're at, what they're thinking. You need to really spend a lot. And that's the thing about bullies that is so pervasive. So you have to spend so much time being like, well, where are they? What mood are they in? If I go here, what are they going to do? If I do this, what are they going to do? 
that they're an obsession. So I get from Letty's point of view, because she is fucked up in the head because of him and his friends, that then when he comes and he starts being kind to her, that she's sort of like, oh, this person I have had an obsession with that I get mentally and physically would maybe feel like a love obsession in kind of a similar, like there's that transference that Mm -hmm. could happen that then when he starts being kind to her, she really gloms onto it. Cause this is also like all she wanted in high school, not necessarily to fuck Tate. I don't know, but to have him be kind to her and have her feel comfortable around him. So from Letty's, I think the decisions that Letty makes, well, I think they are not good decisions. And if I was Lydia, I would be doing, much more i get i get letty making those decisions and i get why letty let herself get into a relationship with him and i get why she thinks she's in a good relationship with him yes yeah i i yeah it's true so i you know and as far as letty's intelligence like yeah i think she's like perfectly intelligent but you get robbed of so much because it's like, how well could she pay attention in, in high school? Yeah. How much time did she have to just, like, think freely or pursue the things that she wanted to pursue? Probably not a lot. And then she's in the hospital with a severe <sighs> with severe brain trauma. She's got a scar. For two years. Like, yeah, how much time do you have to just, like, uh, read books or uh, cultivate any other aspect of your life? I mean, one of the great things about going to college, and I know this is cliche and you hear it all the time in – in movies and sitcoms, but it's kind of true. You can reinvent yourself in a way. You can get away from small town thinking and idiots who don't understand that you're, you're not weird. You're just unique and different. And you get to go to some place. A lot of times you get to choose where you go. So you don't get to choose what high school you go to. Mm -hmm. You get to choose where you go. You get to choose the things that you want to be involved with. And the fact that he robs that from her even for a second at the beginning where she runs away from her out from her ability to be an independent person is unforgivable to me sorry period yeah and maybe that's just my like macho masculine thought of like whatever but it's just how i feel and i couldn't get past it like every time tate would say something sexual to her and i know that she was into it i still wanted to be like oh i just smash his face i how dare you it, you're how you perceive my physicality should have no control it should not control my thoughts at all but i understand why it does but it, it just infuriated me that she had to seek just like positive like reinforcement from a someone who bullied her that much it just makes me sad it yeah. makes me angry yeah. So I could not get hard for this book. No. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's hard. And, and then I, he starts jerking off. He starts jerking off before she can even start to masturbate when he's like, we should masturbate together because this is a hot movie. And then he just starts jerking it before she even have a chance to do anything. That's like, that's like a, that's a total perv move. Yeah. We've seen that. That's like what a lot of dudes do. Yeah. It's upsetting. Yeah. I think this is a... I mean, honestly, I would be interested if you are somebody who loved this book, what you, um, why mm-hmm. in a genuine way. Yeah. Yeah. Not like, how could you just like, no, why? What's, like, what, what are mi- we missing? Other than because- the sex, which I understand is hot. Like I can understand that the depiction of sex is very hot in this book. 
I also think sometimes people or authors feel like they need to really ratchet it up so high. So it's like if she felt like, oh, I need at the beginning there to be a big moment. And so it's her falling off of a cliff. (laughs) And I think that like you didn't necessarily need that moment. That's such a big moment. And I think I don't know if he had been just like an average bully, like not sadistic, but just kind of an asshole who took advantage of somebody who he viewed as less powerful than him. Still fucked up, but not psychotic. Mm -hmm. There are those people who then continue like whatever. I think that I, I could have had a better time with this book. I think it could have made more sense. Like I think the idea of like a bully redemption love story is could be great. And I just think like he is psychotic and doesn't change basically. Completely unaware of his power. Yeah. He does mention I mean, but it's just it all seems like lip service. I just don't believe Tate. He never like the thing is, it's like, had he come clean at the end, like had at the end, he said, like, listen, I understand what I did to you was unforgivable. I understand what I did to you was criminal. So I am agreeing to go to our the cops in our hometown and confess who was in the car and what happened so that they can be put away and you can have a sense of closure. And even if that means I also am put away, then I'm like, you know, okay, well, that's something. Mm hmm. You never hear that. You never hear what the consequences were for him. You never hear what the consequences were for the other people in the car. I come from a small town where people are obsessed with sports. I would 100% believe that a car full of guys could do that and get away with it. No problem. Like, I get it. Yeah. But that he never really claims responsibility for it other than to be, like, contrite and use it. I feel like he manipulates her with it whenever he does bring it up. Yes. And forcing her to be like, oh, no, it's okay. Oh, no, I understand that you're upset. It's like, no, you need to do that for her and grovel and get on your knees and apologize with nothing in return. Yeah, this this relationship would never be on an even keel in my mind, because anytime if I was Letty and Tate complained about anything, I'd pull up my hair, show the scar and say, shut the fuck up, Mm -hmm. shut the fuck up. I don't care if you don't want to go to this to this uh, poetry reading. Look at this scar and shut the fuck up. <laughs> so not a good relationship. And that's maybe coming from me. But this book also does the thing that I hate so much is that at the end when she sees these emails and the videos and thinks that he's sending them to somebody and she confronts him and he doesn't immediately say anything he's just saying well i wouldn't blah 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 blah. they they aren't talking the way regular people would talk if you really were not guilty you would say what did you see you saw these emails oh i send emails to myself because i'm stupid like he would say that but he doesn't and then it's just manufactured angst at the end which i hate it's like in real life, if somebody comes to you with something, you will try to defend yourself in the best way possible, even if it is repeating the same things over and over again. But he doesn't say anything that would defend himself. Wow. I mean, we can keep nitpicking. I don't think it's necessarily fair to do. I, that's basically how we feel about it. Yeah. So before we talked about this book, did you have more of a positive thought or did me railing and ranting against it. No, everything I've talked about is things I was thinking about as I was reading it. I think I liked it at the beginning more than you did because I felt like 
all of this great setup was going to be paid off. And I think in my mind, I was like, oh, wow, this is going to be great when this all gets paid off. And then as I kept reading, I was sort of more and more let down. Well, because he does end up in the hospital because of the wrestling match where the guy smashes his face against the mat. But it's all the background is these mobsters were telling him to throw the wrestling match. And then at the end, it doesn't be it's not even anything because he says, oh, well, mobsters aren't going to just kill me. It's too high profile. So there was and no it's also, tension. It's not too high profile. And also, who are these mobsters that are betting on a small liberal arts college wrestling <laughs> team? And also the amount of money that he was going to get was was insane. Like, I remember what yeah. I forget what it was, but wherever I went, I was like, what small town Colorado mobsters have that amount of money to pay someone off? Like, if Goodfellas has taught it's nothing, it's that like these guys are schmucks and they don't have as much money as you think they do. Yes, they're they're the working stiffs. Yeah. Yeah, where she was like, don't throw the match. He's like, I don't know, but I also could just like lose the match. So it's like, <laughs> what are the stakes in this? And his dick is so comically huge. I know he was a virgin because his, his dick, dick was, was so big, big that he couldn't fit in anyone except for like Letty's magic pussy. I, so that almost makes me, I'm like, that is such a male fantasy more than a female fantasy. Oh, because I have had friends who have literally broken up with people because their dicks were too big. Yeah. And they could not handle it. And so they were like, best of luck, dude. Goodbye. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. But they did fuck them. But it was just too much. It's just too much. Yeah. Women don't fantasize about dicks that big. No. I'm sure that they fantasize about adequate dicks. I'm sure probably oversized dicks. Yeah, well, knowing how to use than a dick. Average. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we fantasize yeah. about that, but we're, we're not if like... If you have a bazooka and you're shooting it backwards, it's no good. <laughs> you just got to know how to use it. It doesn't matter how big it is. Right. You know? Yeah. Anything else to say about this book? Listen, we'll do good results. I'm sure things will come up, but well, for right now... Well, I got to ask you. I know. Would you fuck them? Like, could I physically fuck tape? Maybe not. And no. And, well, the thing that I did think was was interesting about this book is we are only it's not first person yes. but we're only ever in Letty's point of view we are never in Tate's point of view which I liked at the beginning but I do think it does it a disservice because I'm like maybe if we were in Tate's point of view and we saw why he's doing all the fucked up things he's doing we would maybe be a little bit more forgiving and understanding but having him just be a blank slate and us only seeing things through letty i think makes all of the our assumptions be like the sadistic ones and be the like messed up ones we're like i don't know what would have happened if we were in his mind it it becomes very claustrophobic and very paranoid inducing Mm -hmm. when we can't know his intentions and i know that's why like part of this thing was is he fucking with her and that's kind of cruel to be on that journey with letty who is so vulnerable also, I think if you were to be in Tate's mind, you would just have to have uh, a flip book of a tumbleweed going across an empty plane because that is what is in his head. Yeah. I do think that the writing itself was good and the capturing of that emotions and the capturing of the emotions of somebody who has been like traumatized. I do think she did a good job at that. The witty banter fell flat for me. Yeah. You will have a high bar for witty banter. Well, you know what I find, and I thought I always think more when I read books for this podcast. And I think the problem is is a, a is a wider societal problem where 
everybody agreed at some point that everybody needs to be funny or have the proclivity to be funny. It would be as if in culture, everybody was like, well, we all need to know how to sing now. (laughs) Everybody should know how to sing. Everybody should be able to sing. But being funny and witty and clever is a skill and a talent. And it's not looked like that. It's not looked at like that. It's looked at as something that in order to function as an individual, you have to be funny and say witty things. But most people aren't because it's a skill. And I've read, we've read contemporaries where people aren't funny and it's fine because they don't have to be. And also reading a full month of Clay Pass has spoiled me rotten because all of the characters are clever and funny in their own individual ways. And they're all played at the height of their intelligence. Even if it's somebody who is a bad person, they're not stupid. And I think that's something that a lot of authors don't do. Mm -hmm. I think if you're not a naturally funny person, being able to write comedy is near impossible. Yes, and you don't need to. Yeah, and not every, you can be a brilliant writer and not be particularly funny. That's great. And that's fine. Because we need less. I need less stuff trying to be funny. Please. Well, and also it's like people are funny in their own way. Yes. Or people do are able to put a turn of phrase accidentally sometimes or the way that they think about something is funny. Like we have definitely read books that I thought were funny but weren't quippy and they were just sort of like situationally funny or something else. Yes. Make your situations funny. Make your characters do physical funny things. They don't necessarily have to be verbally funny. One of the things that I also found charming, very quickly charming in this book was before he pulls her into the water, when Tate is in the water, she's standing outside and he does, he takes his little, not little, his big meaty finger and is just kind of like playing with her shoe. If that was a character that wasn't a psychopath and that was a character and Letty was a character that was, you know, not sure if she liked this guy, but might maybe liked him a little bit. That little playfulness I thought was really cute. And I love that detail that she put in this book because that was the kind of stuff that I'd like. He, that's not funny, but it's cute and it's charming. But then as the maniac that he is pulls her in and it's all off because that could have just been a child playing with a shoe because he's too stupid to know what he's doing. That I liked, but there could have been more of that stuff. It still wouldn't make this book work for me because I just don't like him. But that's the kind of stuff that you could use instead of them trying to be clever to each other, Mm -hmm. which I think fell extremely flat. Yeah. Uh, Agreed. Goodreads. Goodreads list. Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's see. I love letters, romance novels featuring written communication at the end. The emails? Yeah. Emails aren't letters. There's such a difference. Slow burn romance. Mm, no. I don't think so. He starts talking filthy almost immediately to her. Yeah, they're jerking off. I mean, they don't fuck till later, but that's only because he has such a big dick. Oh, he has such a big dick. Good novels with regretful heroes. Half that is true. Ooh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I didn't like the novel, but I don't think that's an indictment of the writer. I would say it could stay on this list. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that's almost, that's a very good review of this book. I think it's an okay book with a horrible hero. <laughs> yeah. I am curious to know people who loved this book. And this was a suggestion. I yes. am curious to know what, the, like why they loved it so much. Yeah. In like a gen, 
like a genuine way, like yeah. I said before. Um, romance books set in college. True. When crushes finally take notice. Uh, yeah. I, that's, that's so much more than that. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody was like, it's a book about a crush who finally takes notice and gives them this book, I would say you you can't you can't you need more with these lists i always think like if somebody came to me and they're like oh i want a book about like somebody who yeah i would be i would not recommend this book yeah so i would say you got to take this off the list there's too much to it uh best second chance romance i would not say this is a second chance romance no uh he who gives great grovel no could do better he didn't grovel enough he needed to grovel more yeah we need some actual like contrition he should still be groveling Oh, yeah. He should be groveling in Dark Obsession number 10. <laughs> then he's done groveling. Yeah. Uh, when ugly, fat, and or plain women get the hot guy. I don't like ugly there. <laughs> um, I also don't think she was ugly. No, she was But that's ugly. the thing is you're always in her point of view, so it's really hard to get a read of, like, what she actually looks like. Yeah. Just get rid of that list. Yeah, that's not a great list. But it's like, but like what you said, if she feel like, I think she feels those three yeah. things. So then, yes. But I don't think it's like. I mean, everybody. That's true. I think everybody feels ugly. Yeah. At some point in mm-hmm. their life. Uh, the groom wore white. Contemporary male virgins of romance. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's a virgin in like the most technical way you can be a virgin. He's done everything it's like, else. Not really. Yeah. Um, gentle giants in romance. Not I gentle. Call them gentle. Uh, romance with hero heroines uh, are athletes. Yeah, he's an athlete. A thin line, love hate relationships. Should have been a thicker line. Yeah, yeah. Should have been. Yeah, there should have been a uh, restraining order. <laughs> we should have got the court involved. Exactly. Best dirty talk. I didn't like his dirty talk. I liked it. Uh, you, but you like dirty talk, right? Yeah. Yeah, I. I thought it was clumsy like him. Mm, okay. Uh, plus size heroines, formerly true plus. I think that just means they changed the title of the list. But like were people saying, whatever happened to that? Oh, and now it's changed. It's like a <laughs> prince situation. People are looking for this list and it changed its name. Hero hates heroine. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and even now. Oh, yeah. Now he just wants to control her in a really oh. weird way. Because um, he doesn't respect her. No. I've loved you for years. I was supposedly. Yeah. According to his emails. Best new adult sports romance books. Okay. So new adult means they're in college. Mm-hmm. Um, sports romance, barely. Yeah. I would say take this off the list. Books with virgin heroes. Yeah. Technically. Imperfect heroine, hot hero, contemporary, non-paranormal romance. <sighs> imperfect heroine. Why is she imperfect? Yeah. Right? No. Take I it mean, off the here's list. the thing about my the, that with the list is like I do think that there is a thing with romance historically that the heroines were impossibly perfect. And so this and that she isn't impossibly perfect. Like she is a bit more human. Yes. Humans are not perfect. Then yes, I get that as a list. And that isn't like a dig against her or anything, but it's more like, you know, sometimes they're just always like perfectly small with perfect bodies and always say the right thing and are impossibly gorgeous and all these things. Like she wasn't, but I don't think that that's like a knock against her. Agreed. All right, Clayton, what are your tropes? Jeez. Obsessed hero, criminal hero, bully hero, 
wrestling hero, traumatized heroine, plus size heroine, scarred heroine, characters getting useless degrees. What are their degrees? You're so hung up on it. Listen, I took a lot of movie classes. I have a communication degree. (laughs) I mean... But look at you communicating for a living. Ex- well, that's, so good. that's true, but I'm one of the rare ones. <laughs> uh, plastics. Plastics. That's the future. Aaron, mm. what are your tropes? Bully, victim romance, his dick is too big, college romance, curvy heroine, virgin hero. Heroine has bad sex until the hero. Wrestler hero. Heroine has low self-esteem. Uh, sex in a tiny bed. They're always fucking in a twin bed. Loving jizz. Now, these are two people who came together. By their love of, love jizz. of jizz, which they are obsessed with it. You know what? Good on them. I'm yes. not going to knock them for that. You both love jizz. That's I, great, and I love that for you. Relationships have been built on less. Yes, uh, I just wish there was more than jizz in this that <laughs> brought them together. Yeah, just that sticky hard substance. Yeah, um, sticky hard substance. Oh, like when it dries. When it dries, like, yeah, right. It gets hard. <laughs> It'd be like, hmm. <laughs> Which just comes out and like blocks like ice cubes. Yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's not. You know, BBs, it comes out as BBs. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was about to tell a story that is so inappropriate. Okay. Yes, do it off mic. Do it off mic. <laughs> um, tricking someone into spending time with you. A hero almost murders heroin. Hero saves heroin, but she doesn't know it because he drove her after the she yeah fell after off the, the accident. And, and then, how big? Wait, so how far did she fall? I don't know. They never say like like an embankment, maybe not a cliff. Okay, so this isn't a wily e. coyote situation. I don't think so. Where she held up a sign that said "Oh my" or something. Um, I was thinking more of when she smashed her head on the floor when she faints when she first sees oh, him, and that's then he like, right. carries her to the infirmary. Well, because he does drive, but he's the one who drives her to the hospital the first time, though, yeah. we find out. Yeah, he does carry her like Frankenstein, looking for a well to throw her in. <laughs> Partnered up force proximity. Who knows why I wrote that? Partnered <laughs> up force proximity. Oh, when they were partnered up in the um, the presentation. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Those are my tropes. Any last words? No. <laughs> Just no. Uh, all right. Clayton, what has you swinging? Well, this, uh, book put me in mind of a band that I hadn't thought about in a while. And I started listening to their second album recently again and it's a band called Yuck. Mm-hmm. And they had a self-titled album that came out in 2011. But the one that I like and I've listened to a lot is their second album that came out in 2013 called Glow and Behold. Now, this this is a band that had a little bit of buzz like 10 years ago. And they were kind of 90s shoegazy, jangly pop kind of stuff that's right in my wheelhouse. I started listening to their second album a lot, and it's not as well-liked or as well-known because one of the main people in the band left after the first album, and they've just been putting stuff out now, and nobody really likes them all that much. But I really like the second album. I've been listening to it over and over. It's kind of been a soundtrack for the last month or so. So if you're into that 90s-leaning type of music like I am, I would say listen to Yuck. This is the first album, but it's the second album, Glow and Behold, that I think has a really good vibe. 
and I'm really into right now. So that's what I'm swooning about. Nice. Erin, what has you swooning this week? I'm swooning about a TV show, the second season of Shrill. The first season of Shrill, too. I don't remember if I swooned about that, but... I think you did. Okay, well, the second season's out, and it's fantastic, and I love it. Um, And it is based on Lindy West's book, Shrill. It's starring Aidy Bryant, who is just a gem, and so funny, and so wonderful. Her parents are played by Julie Sweeney, who's great, and uh, one of the Wet Bandits. I don't remember his name. Oh, well, it's not Joe Pesci. It's not Joe Pesci, sadly. Yeah, it's got to be a what? He's the guy who did the voiceover for? The Wonder Years. Yeah, Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern, who's also great. Um, and, uh, yeah, I watch Shrill on Hulu. Nice, very, we just, like, zip through this. I know. Yeah. Yeah, well, listen, we're great. <laughs> we're we <sorry>. are great. <laughs> and if you want to tell us that we're great, Aaron... Where can they do that? Well, you could always rate, review, subscribe on however you uh, listen to us, uh, particularly Apple Podcasts. People have been doing that. It's great. It helps people find us. So we really appreciate it whenever you guys do take the time. Um, you can always email us at learningthetropespodcast.gmail.com. Email us. Let us know why you loved this book. If you did, if you agree with us, if you disagree with us, if you want to suggest a different book, email us. We're always so happy to hear from you. We always respond. Um, eventually, I promise. Um, and I would say, too, about this book. Again, when we don't like a book, it doesn't mean that we don't like a person who likes this book. right? <laughs> and I know that a lot of times that can be how people feel. Like if they recommend a book to us and we don't like it, it does not affect how we feel about you as a person or you as anything. It's just people have different you know ideas of what they like and everybody has the right to like whatever they like yeah so i think we're just giving our opinions we by no means are saying this is the facts right well because i want this to be a conversation yeah and we go into every book hoping we like it we never hate read anything and i think it just means that this book didn't resonate or work for us and maybe it did for you and then that's great and I think that's the great thing about romance and why I love romance so much is that it is such an expansive um, genre that there can be things for you and things not for you and great books that you love and great books that you don't and it's all okay and people's if someone likes this book it could also give us another angle of entry that we maybe don't have Yes, yeah. I, I definitely have blind spots. We all have blind spots, but I definitely have a blind spot when it comes to these kind of books. And if somebody can give me an angle to get into it, then I'm looking for that. I want to like these. I want to yeah. like all romance. Anyway, Instagram at Learning the Tropes. We have our Facebook group, The Learning the Tropes Troop. Um, next episode. So, guys, we're, we're shifting it up a little bit next week. We are going to be reviewing um, To All the Boys I've Loved Before 2 on Netflix. So I think it is available now to watch. If it isn't, it will be available. It comes out Wednesday, February the 12th, I believe. Okay, yeah. So it's available today. Um, So go ahead, watch that. We'll be talking about it. We also, this month, have an interview with Ruby Lang, which is going to be really great. So we have a lot of really fun things coming up. Um, So stay tuned. 
and uh, learning the tropes as part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media backslash podcast.